It's nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to meet you. I really appreciate you jumping on. Like, it's crazy. No, no worries at all. Honestly, I find it thrilling doing stuff without <laughs> letting my team know. <laughs> I, people, you don't ask, you don't get. And That's I it. love doing stuff without, like, going through my team. So it's just, it That's feels awesome. like I'm just jumping off a, a cliff right now. So <laughs> get around me. Let's have a conversation. Oh, that's it. That's why, like, I wanted just to have, like, a general chat. Like, I don't want this to be, yeah, I never wanted, like, my stuff to be really staged or, like, the boring, like, general shit. I wanted to be, like, just two people yeah. at dinner having a chat. That's, like, what I, what I wanted. So I'm glad you're on. That's great. And honestly, you know, um, they're some of my favourite chats as well. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, a lot, a lot of interviews can be really quick and fast and mm. you have to ask these questions and I answer a lot of the same questions over with. So yeah. I think, you know, I feel like podcasts are more my vibe. Yeah, more relaxed. Not like so you have all the eyes yeah. on you straight away watching you and you have to answer, like, correctly and, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's good you're exactly. from Australia. But, yeah, you won't find that with me. Yeah, I know. No. <laughs> I, same thing. I feel like I've seen you before. I was, what? me and Tiles were looking before and I was like, I've seen this guy before. You're kidding. Um, I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it's social media or something. Probably. Yeah. I feel like I've seen you before. Cause I'm from the Gold Coast. So I was pretty, yeah, I was on the Gold Coast. I think, where are you? Are you like from Byron Bay or? Well, I originally, I grew up in, on the Mornington Peninsula of Melbourne. Yeah. And then I went busking in Byron, but then I was living with my manager in the Gold Coast kind of here and there, like I'd write my music up. He lived in Beachmont. Yeah. So up kind of up on Narang, like where the mountains In the mountains is. and stuff, yeah. And I'd go there and write music and then I'd go and play around the street that week down in Byron. That's sick. So I was kind of in the Gold Coast for a bit. I was a bit of a resident for a little yeah. bit, but half and half. I mean, you couldn't really say, but on the border there. Yeah, that's awesome. So, well, basically what I want to start with is I want to start with like what like. Give us a run through what happened before Byron, before you started, like people started videoing you on the street busking and then like you, you made your big break. Yeah, well, I mean, I did all the normal things. I mean, growing up, I was really heavily into basketball. Yeah. Um, I used to coach under 14 boys. I'd play for the, the state uh, Victorian Youth Championship team. Yeah. I uh, went to Robo Sports Academy for basketball and I really only sang like in the shower. I really loved singing though, but I didn't really like, you know, stable to kind of do that. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of like I swapped over when I when I turned like, well, when I was in uh, year 12, I uh, put all that energy into music and I learned how to play the keyboard and at that time I was playing at like coffee shops and pubs with a guitarist I couldn't play an instrument yeah and I was like I want to write original songs like let's do original songs and he was like no no I make way too much money from weddings and yeah. stuff like that so um I was like okay well this is what's gonna happen right now I'm at a on a fork in the road in my life mm. so I'm either gonna go and, and put that effort and time into writing my own music, learning how to play instruments. Yeah. And I'm going to go off and do that. And that's really where my passion is. Yeah. Or I decide that it's too hard. Um, you know, so I decided to definitely learn instruments. I didn't start playing my own gigs until I could loop though, because I knew yeah. that I wasn't that kind of artist. I knew I wasn't slow. I knew that that's not really where I wanted to be. So I really didn't start playing Tony Watson, which I started off just under my own name, Tony Watson gigs until... You know, I was really looping and I kept all the promoters in the loop. I said, thank you so much for giving me opportunities. But when I'm ready, 
I will be ready. So I yeah. just did that every day religiously. And then I came out on a, at a New Year's Eve gig at Porty Hotel for the first time on my own, which is really just because the guitarist I was meant to do it with was too hungover. <laughs> so I didn't want to lose the opportunity. And I yeah. kind of just pushed into that situation. Straight and it in the was like the best day of my life. That's awesome. Um, busking came into it because I was working at Jetty Surf on Burke Street and yeah. I used to watch all the buskers. We had Pierce Brothers, Tashel Tana, Ruben Stone. Yeah. Um, there were so many cool buskers there and I wanted that so bad. And it took me about a year and a half to get that permit because you've got interviews and, and auditions and then when and it's six months in between and then yeah. you finally do get it and seventy dollars a day for parking you can't catch the train you've got too much equipment yeah and i had to do like multiple trips from the car park to the spot so that was too hard for me and one of my friends said do you want to come to byron bay you can park up wherever you want and just start busking um on the side of the road That's so it. i was like i need to do this like the the fear of not trying was just killing me yeah I was working at Universal Store now because Jetty Surf that I was working at on Burke Street, we got made redundant because they closed down. Yeah. So I used the redundancy payout, which I think was like $1,400, to get my first loop pedal. I'd been at Universal Store for a year and a half to two years practicing, and I was ready to go. So, yeah, I took annual leave. I went. I busted one night because I was so nervous. Yeah. And I met Jackson walked past me that night. He's my manager now, and he was like, I want to manage you. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Kind of, you know. He just, I said, just keep busking. He said, just don't stop busking. Mm. So it was all that exposure and just like being out on the street and building like a proper solid fan base. Yeah. Do you feel like social media played a massive role in like everyone filming you and stuff like that? Yeah. Huge role, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, especially in Byron, it was the yeah. place where, you know, you had the the kind of people that would come and sit on sit there every night with you, but then the kind of people that came for holidays and had the following to really... Yeah share it i mean i think it wasn't until like a year ago because that you know how on instagram you can see like who's tagged you in a post yeah yeah um like you you go into your like requested messages you can see and usually after a busk you know especially around christmas or new year's there'd be some like really big influences as well that would come through yeah um and i was trying to get to ten thousand organic followers before mm. i released my first song so i had enough people to actually maybe do something with it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't find out till like a year ago that Chris Hemsworth actually came <sighs> up and shared my music on the street. You're kidding. Um, I know I, I, I went to message him just because they put up a funny article about me and, yeah. and him like as a joke. I'd never met him. And I went to message him and I'd seen that when I was busking one night in Byron, he tagged me in a post from 2019. Wow. That is sick. Um, so it's like, it was so crazy. Yeah. So you don't really know this stuff until... Um, you look back, but mm. yeah, it was a good place to busk, and I am about to go back on a busking tour, which is. The I've best. seen that. What's I that? You got a you got a like a sprinter it. van and that, and then people you wanted people to like do artwork on it or something. I am doing probably the funnest thing that I could ever create for myself, and yep. I mean this is really the benefit of achieving anything to create any kind of freedom mm. for yourself to just spread your wings and do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. My perfect scenario would be going back busking. We're getting a basketball ring attached to the back of the sprinter <laughs> van. We're going around to different, uh, like on the way through busking, we're surprising fans. Mm. So people are sending in like, you know, different fan stories. We're going to go surprise people at their homes. We're going to busk in all these little towns. We're also going to meet up with like Brennan Favola, Nick Natanui, Ryan Pappenhausen, Max yeah. Gorn. 
Lauren Jackie, Sophie Mug. We're pulling up Lauren Jackson, like iconic Australian female basketballer. Yeah. We're pulling up to their houses along the way as well, and we're filming the whole thing, and That's we're sick. having like games of three on three with them. <laughs> so I've just pretty much, if someone said, "What was the best thing about everything that's happened to you?" It's like I can come back now mm. and do a busking tour and play basketball while I'm busking and just make content and have fun. You're living the life you want to live. It's not really about. That's exactly what it yeah. is. To go straight back into a van with nine of my friends for a month. That's it's sick. like the way I want this to end. I'm not saying yeah. it's ending, but that's like yeah. after COVID and everything, you think, you know, I'd be going off to Europe, which I was, mm. but we just, we cancelled the Europe tour, postponed it until later in the year. And I feel like this busking tour is definitely where I am at as a person, like who I am. Yeah. So we're going to do that. We might even be able to come and see you. Yeah, I reckon that'd be <laughs> so cool. I'd definitely play a game of basketball. I mean, I'm pretty shit, but it'd be fun. We're just going to put on, your, you pick three of your favourite songs. Yeah. We put three of your favourite songs on and we play like knockout while we ask questions. So like you have some Fuck. questions, I have some questions. Yeah. And then in it in the messages I've been sending to the guys, we're going to hit up Josie the Doonies and Lime Cordial. Yeah. I said, look, if you guys want to host us for a barbecue, you've got, there's nine of us. If you don't, we can be there for 10 minutes or we can stay for barbecue. So that's kind of how we're playing it. We're just going to. Try and bring the whole community of Australian, mm. like just Australians together. We've been so divided. Yeah, definitely. It's so been crazy. Been really fun. It's been so You know what's really cool hearing you speak? It's cool how you've like reached a pinnacle of success. Like not a pinnacle. You're not like, there's still more to go, but you've reached like a level of success and you're still grounded. You're literally so happy that you've been able to buy time to go back and do the things that you love, like play basketball, bask still. Like it's crazy to see that where like other people get really big headed. Yeah. Well, I think there's two things. First of all, my dream was always to be a busker. That yeah. I never wanted anything more. I never said I'm going to go and busk and then become this person I never yeah. wanted to be really because I was never a TV. never wanted to be a TV person. I've been asked to do the shows, like be a judge on The Masked Singer and The Voice. I just don't – it's not me. Mm. Um, I always wear lace, like prosthetics in film clips because I don't want – that's not what I wanted. Mm. And I think – as much as Australia has really kept me humble, like, geez, Louise, some stuff gets thrown around, <laughs> um, especially as a solo female. At the same time, people need to realise that there's no magic button for any artist to press to become successful. Yeah. It's actually you guys that are doing it. Mm. I wrote Dance Monkey. That song could have done nothing and just sat there still now with, uh, you know, 2,000 views. Mm. It's the people that do it. So to then turn that back on the artist and act like it's their fault they're successful and they should feel bad about something that other people did no. you can only really be thankful but at the same time it was never my intention mm. to um to kind of get that much um publicity i'm a quite a socially anxious person yeah um but i mean i do with it what i can and i'm just trying to create like the best funnest environments out of the amazing opportunity i've been given and to like look at all the people around me that are actually such great people mm. And not so much the opposite of things, which it got pretty rough there for a bit, I'd say, maybe yeah. last year. Yeah. And last year was pretty hectic. What happened last year? Just like online can be pretty brutal. Yeah. I think if anyone wants fame and wealth, it's that's pretty that's a pretty silly thing to um really want. hundred percent. Fame is pretty overrated. The the most unhappy I've ever been was like when I was probably at my pinnacle. Yeah. When you know, I was on Ellen and Jimmy Fallon and stuff doing that kind of tour that world tour mm. that was a really tough time for me and um, there was a lot of things that fake rumors started because 
whatever. People want you to drop down. My song was number one and still holds the record for the most uh, most weeks at number one in the world of Spotify. Yeah. Um, most on like going consecutive weeks at number one and there was other artists with massive stand cultures that were about to release a song and their stands were trying to like do whatever they could to get me out of that spot it's and a brutal world artists with you know it was really hard but i'm in a good place now like i think i'm in a point where i can play shows to my fans yep. people that i love and support me but I, i'm not everywhere like crazy like i like how it was back then it's just not for me you're stepping so back a bit that now. really helped me too mm-hmm. it's just not I don't have enough space in my head to get through all that congestion. Yeah. And especially through COVID, as an artist, we're all told to, and I'm sure you're the same, through COVID, we have to stay on social media. Mm. Um, it's a place where, you know, we, we need to keep that alive because we can't do anything else. Yeah. But social media was also like a really toxic place <sighs> for me. So it was a hard time, um, you know, especially when there was so much going on in the world that just didn't. I didn't need to be a part of it yeah. for a moment. There was way bigger things going on last year that, you know, we didn't, we just wanted to support. We didn't want to focus on promoting our career every day, mm. especially when it's a place that's not real. You still want a life. Live music is grounding. Yeah, exactly. It's from Melbourne. And then we went down to Sydney for a bit and then went, yeah, back in Gold Coast. So she was in like the yeah. mix of all the COVID stuff and really hard lockdown. Yeah. It was wild down there. Like, wow. It's crazy. Yeah, well, we were with um, nine of our nine of our friends in the one house. Yeah, um, which was great. Honestly, that's that's not me saying poor me. I think that we were very thankful for that situation, especially because one of our best friends actually passed away early this oh, year. Shit. We wouldn't have never had that time with him if um, you know we weren't all together. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of thankful. Some of our friends were on their own, and that's like really hard. Yeah, as well. So like going through like what you went through last year, like like. What would you say now, like, got you out of it? Like, how were you able to switch out of, like, dealing with all the, the online stuff that you said that happened to you? Well, actually, when I first started cutting up, I was just so caught off guard by how crazy the, how bully, how crazy bullying was online. Yeah. But I got this, like, stop the bullies yeah. for the AFL Grand Final, so I would have it there. And I was like, no. And I had, like, other artists reach out. My managers, like, had me and talked to other artists, and they're like, you know, it's gonna, you're got, there's gonna be a time where you just, it's not gonna phase you anymore. Mm. It's really not gonna phase you. And I was like, no, that's bullshit. Like, why are we all just going, oh, we'll just get over it? Yeah. So I was like, no, stop. This is shit. And now, now I'm like over it. And I say to younger artists, there's gonna be a time when you get over it. And it's so sad to say, but if you're focusing on trying to stop something that is way, way, way huge, massive, huge problem in the world, mm. like you're just, putting too much energy into it and I wanted to try and really like you know put my foot down but that means really concentrating on the problem instead of trying to find a bridge and so I had to just give up and I had to really just like you know I've seen so many things about myself like so many that it really doesn't faze me there's really not much people can say to faze me anymore and that's unfortunately the sad truth of it yeah literally Um, I'm actually all right with really a lot and it's only been, I've been in the industry for two years, you know what I yeah. mean? In two years, you know, so it's not really been the longest time to get used to it all, but I am in a place where I could, I'm in a position where I could be there for others if mm. if someone else was coming up, Yeah. which is sad, but it's true. It is true. It's crazy. So what advice would you give to people coming up in, in the industry? Say like, like, say like I was a young singer and I wanted to crack it in the industry. What would you say? Like, what would yeah. the advice be? I mean... The main advice would be don't 
let anything on social media, anything on social media sway you. Mm. The saddest thing is I lost like a big part of myself from social media. Yeah. The stuff that I used to post versus now, the way I look at myself, I'm trying to get that person back that just wanted to write music for people like that didn't know my voice was high pitch and weird that mm. didn't think that I was chubby I was on the street with with no shoes on sitting outside of my van just enjoying my life and yeah. having the best time that's a person that I'm still trying to get back so if I was to see a young artist come up now and to lose anything of themselves from social media like that's really horrible because for someone to get yourself in a position where you've pushed yourself so hard mm. that you're in a position where you're actually doing well like you need every bit of sparkle that you had to get there yeah um to keep going and people are going to try and take that that away from you whether you're a guy or a girl Mm. um non-binary whatever gay straight people are going to come at you no matter what you could love someone so much think you're an angel people come at them too but you just need to keep that because otherwise if you lose that then you just i really lost myself for a while yeah i'm really trying to get it back just don't listen to anything. If you're successful, even doing what you do now, you're successful. Don't listen to anything people have to say and don't even bite back. Mm. Encourage them to be successful and do what they want to do. It's really hard. It's hard yeah, job. it is. So you feel like the reason why people like get noticed is because of the originality they have when they start. And then you feel like people lose themselves when they start getting fame, but you really got to bring yourself back as to why you're there in the first place. Like keep grounded. Yeah. That's it. I think it's so funny because the reason that I came up the originality that mm. I didn't even know I had. I never thought my voice was high or a weird or anything. Yeah. It was the same reason the pe- people flipped in the end and went, oh my God, that fucking song gets played so much. Well, mm. I didn't control what happened to the song after it got released. Exactly. Um, you know, everyone that was there at Splendor in the Grass for me when I opened that set and 40,000 people came running down to, to watch the 12 p.m. opening set of Splendor in the Grass, which has never happened before. Yeah. Those people, half of those people, probably half the people that don't like it now. And I promise you, I'm one of those people too, but I am so thankful mm. that you've got to be thankful. I mean, I'm going to have to listen to Dance Monkey more than anyone in my life. Yeah. It. But I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I've come to peace with yeah. it, you know. It's good. You're a really good person. It's crazy. Like, it's, you know, like you haven't let it get to your head. Like, you're really grounded, humble, and it's good to talk to you. Like, it's crazy. I'm not full of confidence. I can yeah. tell you that right now. I am exactly me. That's I, good. I don't have any more confidence in myself as of what I did when I started. And I know that sounds a bit, bit down, but it's almost the opposite. I mean, I'm always just trying to do all right. I'm not trying to be better than I was yesterday. I'm just trying to keep going. Yeah. Take it day at a time in my life, especially with COVID. Nothing set in stone. Mm. And it's yeah so i don't even know just take it i'll take a day at a time and after this i'll have a sandwich and yeah. <laughs> that's fucking awesome <laughs> oh shit when was when was the like the moment like from when you were busking when was the moment where you're like holy shit like i've actually made it like oh i'm actually like holy this is going to go places like when was the actual pinnacle Probably moment? that splendor set yeah so like the most amazing moment that will never ever nothing will ever top this in my life yeah. i can tell you why so I just released Never Seen the Rain. Dance Monkey had been out for about six weeks. Yeah. I just released Never Seen the Rain and I had Johnny run away. So Triple J had asked me to be the Triple J artist that opened Splendor in the Grass. And so Splendor in the Grass, obviously three-day festival. Yeah. It's Australia's one, first or second biggest festival. Um, it's 
they have an artist that opens at 12 p.m. The first day of the festival, the gates open at 12, and so does this artist every year. Every year they get like 200 people to 500 people max, right? Mm. So I was side of stage, so nervous. I was a busker. So like the night before I was busking in Byron. So I just, it, in Byron, so it was kind of perfect. So I, it's eight minutes before I go on. I have a 30 minute set. There's a guy, I, I'm in the amphitheater. So like this massive amphitheater, I'm like, what the hell? There's no one there, obviously. And there's a guy with a ute dropping off bins. Like there's not even open. It's like, he's just driving around the amphitheater, dropping off bins. I go on stage, they don't open the doors fight until three to five minutes after I start playing. What? And then all of a sudden, this avalanche of people end up 43,000 people came. And I only had a 30 that's minute wild. set. So in 25 minutes, we went from zero. And the reason why that's incredible. So if you go on YouTube, right, Tones and I Splendor, if you look at the people that are there, just 15 minutes before, there was nobody. So to watch that happen... In such a short time. ...is just like... And... The craziest thing is that obviously it was such a short short set. Mm. They said the most people they'd ever had for an early set like that were 500 people. And after my set, there were only 500 people. <laughs> Everyone went back to the campsite. <laughs> so it was just like all of a sudden it was like the headlining show and then it was 500 people again. It was the wow. craziest thing. The reason why nothing will top it is because I didn't expect it. Yeah. I didn't expect anyone to sing along. I didn't even expect 300 people to rock up. Mm. I'd obviously only had songs on Triple J. So how are you meant to gauge how successful you are as an artist exactly. when you've only been played on on like Triple J radio for like two months, one one and a, yeah, two months. Yeah. So I had no idea what to expect, and I don't think there'll ever be a day again where I expect absolutely nothing and get 40,000 people. Yeah, that was so that that's was fucking wild. Like, that is so cool. And I was playing it with my broken keyboard that I played <laughs> with on the street and my SPD pedal. It was just, yeah, it was nuts. So that's so awesome. That, that was just incredible. That's, cool that's what the hell. So being like, like you said, you're not like really a, like, not not so much like, you're not really like confident out there. Like like what you said, like it's, you get nerves and stuff. Well, what do you feel when you walk out on stage and you're like, everyone's, everyone's just there ready and they're waiting for you? Or do you, do you feel like the nerves are kind of gone because you've busks, like done busking for so long? I feel good when I play live. I don't really like anything online, comment sections, YouTube. Yeah. But when I go out and I play live in Australia, I feel on top of the world. I mean, Australia could be my biggest critic, but they're also my biggest fans. They see me as an artist. Yeah. They know all my music, not just Dance Monkey. Mm. I'll go to another country and they'll only know two songs and yeah. they'll just scream like Dance Monkey or Fly Away like for yeah. like Ava. And so I will have to like, you know, get to the point, which really ruins me because mm. that's not what I, I'd rather go busking again um, yeah. than just go and sing Dance Monkey on loop around the world. So Australia really accept me as an artist and that's something that I have to be so thankful for. But yeah, so live performance for me feels good. Festivals feels good. Yeah. My own shows especially feels good. There's so much love in the room. Mm. Um, I take a choir with me, which is just the funnest thing. And they're like my family. I got them for my last show of my tour, actually. Yeah. For the last show, the necklaces. Yeah. And I tried to get them engraved. And I was like, guys, um, last show of the tour, everyone opened. I got them also like Nike Airs. That's so and sick. I said, oh, I didn't get them engraved. And they're all like, oh, it's okay, don't worry. So I'm like, instead, I got your names engraved on my arm. <laughs> You're kidding, what? That is so awesome. The whole choir wow. On my arm. You, they were like in tears. <laughs> that is insane. Best moment. 
That's so and cool. I got them engraved there. They're the coolest people. And also I had like a few losses on that tour, so yep. they were really there for me and so were my friends. So Far out. To, you know, so we had a good time. Anyway, mm. sorry, I just move on from questions. Don't even mean to do that. No, that's all right. No stress. Well, basically like what what do you think like is like one of like the wildest things that's happened on tour, whether it be like in Australia or another country? Like has something like wild happened where you're like, wow, this is a bit full on. Um, oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, there has been. I just don't know. Some things are really wild for me and yeah. then some things are like wild for you. But I mean, obviously, you know, my, my biggest inspiration um, as like a lyricist is Macklemore. Yeah. And I've always said that. And so I was like b- backstage at my Seattle show and Lime Cordial was supporting. Yeah. And I swear they weren't meant to go on for like 30 minutes. And I just hear like the whole crowd just like, and I'm like, what the hell? So I walked into the boys' room, I'm like, you guys meant to go on now? They're like, nah. Because people were like screaming. It's because Macklemore was walking over the stage to come backstage because you couldn't, in this venue, you had to walk like in front of the barricades to get to where my backstage was. Yeah. So all of a sudden, then there's a knock at the door and Macklemore walked in. You're and I was kidding. Like, oh my fucking God. Like he came to surprise me backstage. <laughs> and then when I got back to the hotel room and he watched the show, and then I got back to the hotel room, he started following me, and I was so excited. I was like just dancing my, around my hotel room, listening to Macklemore <laughs> album. And then he asked me to come into the studio and do a song with him. And actually, no one knows this yet, but I'll let you know. We just did our first song together like what? Uh, four weeks ago, and it's coming out soon. That is exciting. Soon. Holy shit. Yeah. And especially knowing like he's your inspiration as well. well that's so cool. I know. So, and also. I was like, we were in the studio, we're at his studio in Seattle like a yep. few weeks ago and he goes, I said, oh, I'm just going to go outside and get some fresh air. He's like, oh, I'll come outside. And then he walks outside and he's like, just stands there and he goes, let's go for a walk. So we're like walking, <laughs> which isn't that exciting. Yeah. And then we end up going thrift shopping. So we went Shut to the thrift shopping. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and there was this little pin like, okay, so I obviously wanted something to remember this. Like, yeah this amazing day so we're in this big massive vintage store and there was this box of pins and i just grabbed a handful of pins i was like whatever one i pick up is just going to be the pin i get today to remind myself of this day and i turned around and it was just a basketball and i was like oh, what? so i and then i realized i had no money on me I was like, do I? it's literally a 50 cent pin i'm like do i ask macklemore for 50 cents i couldn't do it so I hit the pin in the thrift store. I went back later with my friends and got it. Oh, but shit. then on the way home, he's like, do you want to get some lunch? He bought me Thai food. And I was like, why didn't I not ask this guy for 50 cents oh. to get this basketball pin? It would have been so much cooler if it came from him. But, you know, it, that was Still. our whole story. And then we finished the song. Then I played a show at his bogey boys store. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we finished the song off. It was a really fun trip. That is so cool. And that's exciting to know that's coming out in four weeks. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, I think I'm not exactly sure exactly when because it's a part of his album. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, but I, all I know is like it's soon. It yeah. Is, I don't really know the date, but yeah, it'll happen. I it's coming out. That's awesome. Shit. Yeah, it's well, what's another question I got here? Another question is like, what was one expensive thing you wanted and bought when you finally were able to do so? could do the whole it was a nord keyboard or we could just really go like let's go real let's talk about 
Okay, let's have some fun because I usually never dive into these kind of questions. I just say something really humbling, but yeah. nah, let's have some fun. 100%. Um, I'll talk about the thing I want to buy that I just spoke to my accountant about buying, which is fucking sick, but yeah. then I'll also have a think about something that I bought. <laughs> um, I randomly really wanted one of those little Jimny cars. They're like Suzuki, but they look yeah. like Jeeps. <laughs> they're like really small. I bought one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure out how to get the dashboard to light up at night, so we really just drive it in the day. Um, oh, and now something I really want to buy, which I'm like obsessed with this idea. Yeah. I want to get some property, like inland a little bit, because I'm on the coastal area, which is expensive. Yeah. Inland a bit, and I want to build my own basketball, indoor basketball court, but have like studio a studio attached to it. Yeah. And then an outdoor court too, and I want to have like have it for like. You know, youth to come, they should like even up and covering musicians or anyone. Like, if you're into music and basketball, my two favorite things, you come, you can make music, you can play basketball, create. That's exactly what I want to do. I've wanted yeah. to do that for a long time. Um, also, I'm creating a basketball festival where you can sign your team up three on three, but there's stages too. So, like, yeah, it's just my two favorite things. So, basketball and music, it's going to be a festival the stages but then hmm. throughout the day you can just sign your team up before you get there and there's going to be like a prize cash money for the winners and there's like a big tournament for the day boys and girls and non-binary like um mixed we'll just probably keep it mixed just because there's too much going on yeah and then um if we keep it mixed and we won't have to have a million games played you can just like you all get your your teams hmm. and then we have like live music all day as well and just like trying to find a way to bring sport and yeah. Anyway. Your two favorite things together. That is I fucking amazing. That's sick. My whole life is like bringing basketball and music yeah. together. I swear, <laughs> just different ways to do it. I did plan Australia's first ever celebrity charity basketball match just like two years ago. Yeah. We had everything ready to go. We had all the artists. Um, we had like Ben and Liam. We're going to host it with Ash London. Yeah. And then COVID hit. So we're <sighs> going to try and bring that back as well. It was going to be for the bushfires. Yeah. Um, now there's just like... The Australian music industry needs more money than like yeah. than anyone else at the moment, I guess. So, yeah. So, what do you think? Are you actually going to build that like you're on your own property? You're going to buy the property. You're going to build it. Yeah, that's such a cool thing. Maybe you should host a thing there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mm. was actually just telling Mel, shout out to my accountant. <laughs> I was actually saying to Mel yesterday, I was like, Mel, if I just build this stadium here, like it's obviously we could find a way to have like the the things the side doors roll up as mm. well yeah so it's like more airy and we can build an outdoor one it's like super easy so yeah we've got like two courts indoor outdoor then we can have it there every year and we can start it here and we can just keep having it here every year and we can use that space for artists and creators make it like a songwriting space i mean every every studio i've been to in la has a basketball ring it really does. really i don't know maybe it's a thing but it's just yeah. a way to like vent and shoot around and while you're in the middle of like a big day and Obviously, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. It'd just be a really fun place for heaps of people to get together and, you know, even if people have nothing to do after school and stuff, like, they can kind of see it as, like, a center as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far I want to go with it, but it'd just be fun to have a place where people are just coming and going, playing basketball. Mm. Don't have to pay to be there. Yeah. You can write music, mentors. You can have engineers working there. But, you know, we'll have to see. We'll see what happens. I would love to do it next year. Yeah. Um, if I can find the time to organize it. It's hard to just buy a factory. They're so expensive. You'd rather get it made. It's pretty much a shed, isn't it? Yeah, literally a shed. Concrete slab in a shed. Yeah. That can't be that. Yeah. Fucking, well, I don't know. They can't be charging it like a house, yeah. I guess. Shit. I tried to buy one in Mornington. Yeah. And it was just like they want to charge so much because it was already built. All right. Uh. No. 
Shit. Well, what's another one here? So basically, I want to know is when you jumped in the music industry, was there anything that you like expected but wasn't there? Or was there anything that was like shocked you and you're like unexpected, like happened? I mean, I think my biggest shock from everything that happened was everything was always such a dream. So yeah. like you watch Ellen, you watch Ellen, you, mm. th- you look at Ellen and that's like a big thing. And I was like, imagine being on Ellen. Or yeah, I saw you on Ellen. What the hell? So for me... That is something that was like just crazy, especially being from Australia, even coming to the US and all these shows and everything was just like crazy. Um, but then when it happens, it's so in and out, quick rehearsal, go, bang, bang. It's like it ruins the dream. Yeah, it okay. ruins like the infinity of like the infinity and beyond of everything you can achieve in life. Like, and that's the pinnacle. Oh, my God. Then do it. And it's so like streamlined and boom, boom, boom. So you boom, feel like you're just a number. It's the dream away. Yeah. Also, that's this is a good story. When I was on Ellen, she was lovely, by the way. Nothing bad to say about a human, but like yeah. just about like I, I kind of wish like I didn't. Anyway, so I get a knock on my dressing room door when I'm like waiting to go on Ellen, and someone's like, "Hi, there's someone in like one of the change rooms that would like to meet you." So I'm like, "Okay, who could this be?" Yeah. Um. So I walk in this room, and P Diddy <laughs> is facing the mirror. So Phoebe's facing the mirror. He's got incense on, a record vinyl playing over there. He's facing the mirror. I walk in. He doesn't turn around. He doesn't turn around and he's like, Tones, hello, welcome. welcome." You're kidding. Biggest God character. He was so fucking nice. He was such a great guy. We're in the car park. We were in the car park, like just hanging out afterwards. Um, he just wanted to talk about my music and just wanted to like pep me up, like yeah. just give me like a pep talk. And then my manager Davo, like one of my managers, Dave, we were in the car park after it, and P Diddy had like a ca- like camera because they were kind of doing like a a doco kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. And Dave was like standing there acting so cool the whole time we were on Ellen. We're in the car park after the show, and P Diddy just says, "Does anyone want a photo?" And before he could say the end of the word, Dave like dropped his laptop, <laughs> dropped his bag. He's like, Dave's standing there and he's so short. He's like standing under Diddy's arm, like as before he even finished, like <laughs> saying, does anyone want a photo? I swear to God, it's the cutest clip that's on my Instagram from like 2019. I'm going to have a look. That's sick. 2020. And we're out the back of Alan with Diddy and Dave's like the real short one that's like, so it was really cute. That was actually a really fun, that was a fun. That's cool. It's crazy. to So what? So like, I guess, it's, I guess like in the whole American stuff, I guess it kind of is like in and out, in and out with Ellen, I guess. Yeah. But not what you expect. You think like they yeah. give you like the time of day and it's all like nice, but yeah. yeah. It was, it, you know, it was nice. The hug that me and Alan shared on stage was the only time we met. Oh, shit. So after I performed, we hugged and then we didn't meet. Like with Jimmy Fallon, I did see him backstage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she was lovely. Um, I did go back as well and perform again. I think I performed Fly Away on Alan just recently. Yeah. Um, which was cool because like that has me and my pa on the front cover. So that... I said to him, I've seen that. he's like, why don't you want me on the front cover of Flyway? I was like, because I reckon this song's big enough that we can get you on, like, Alan. And we did. We got him on Alan, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, That's sick. So, yeah, we are pretty proud. When I gave my pa the suit, I rocked up and I was like, pa, uh, this is the suit I want you to wear and we have to share it because I only have one. <laughs> we had to take my photo, then his, and then put them <laughs> together and we had to take the photo outside because of COVID. So yeah. photos were only allowed to be taken outside. And Tara at the start was like, okay, Tones. And then he walked out and he's like, oh, I love this. And he loved the cons. He loved the converse. He was so into it. Fulfilling himself. So, yeah, he loved the suit. 
and Nana's a cleaner. And Nana just like did a drive by in between like cleaning houses just to see. Yeah. And Nana just like did like a Kirby, pulled up on the curb, was like, looking good, Pam. <laughs> and then just kept going. It was the funniest thing. What Pa was oh. sitting out on the chair, like in his pink suit. Then Nana just like zoomed back off to go clean someone's house. Oh, shit. The cutest. That is sick. Yeah, they were cute. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I might ask one more question to finish yeah. this off. I might ask, what is next for you? What are your plans next? Other well, than the bus tour. I'll, yeah, well, yeah, that's great. Well, so next year, my first song I'm releasing next year is called Nervous. Yeah. And I wrote it when I was about to go meet Macklemore. I was in my Airbnb and I was just thinking to myself, because I was so nervous to go see Macklemore again. Like, you never want to ruin. The last time I saw him was so great. I didn't want to go meet the idols, but he was great. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm so fucking nervous. Bum, 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 bum. Nervous, but this is the thing. In true Combs fashion, I have just decided. I just had a call about with the film clip guys before you. I am going to be an alien from my own planet. That's actually a school bus driver. Yeah. And you know, I go pick all the kids up from school, and um, then I go um, help out at the old folks' home in between the kids being at school. Yeah. And teach them dances, and then I go back and pick pick the kids up. And I know it sounds like a really really random concept but all of them are and yeah i just am so excited <laughs> so that's my film clip but i'm also releasing every six weeks i've got a tour yep. in the u.s in march so i'll be back over here through march then i have got uh i got uh some brazil festivals a mexico festival yep. a lot of europe festivals i got my european tour in june july August, I got my Welcome to the Madhouse tour arenas in Australia in October with the choir. Yep. And um, and then I think I'm just going to try and release every six weeks next year. So that, that's my that's my next year's plan. But that's awesome. And we'll see. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. COVID's really like maybe not going to be a thing. Like really, really might get to do this, you know. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Like hopefully it just goes away and we can all start living our life again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also living with Illy here. She's in the next room. Who? And um, and G Flip. So they're all they're all getting stuff done too. Oh shit, that's Just sick. Having like an Aussie, Aussies get shit done in LA kind of vibe at the yeah. moment. Far out. We'll see how it goes. Oh, you can hold me to this, but yeah, not in work mode. Having a good time. Definitely. So we're just going to try and just get everywhere we can get in January. But otherwise, worst case, it'll be like the weekend of the first week of Feb. Yeah. Be fine. Oh, well, keep me, keep me, keep me posted. Let me know. Okay. Thank you for having me <laughs> nah, on. No, no chase. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No worries at all. You have a great day have and really day. yeah, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. See you have later. the best day today and say hi to your, um, your fiance for me, your partner. I shall. She's stoked I'm on with you. Holy shit. She's in the other room oh. like freaking out. Like. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh. Well, We'll see you for a barbecue. Definitely. Done. See you soon. Have a good day. Bye. See you, bud. Bye.